And welcome back for another edition of the TBH Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Henry, and we have the Road to Glory crew back and in action to talk about the NFC playoff field. Six of the seven spots have already been filled, one more up for grabs, and we'll have a chance to break down all six of those teams and the two fighting for that final spot. But if you missed the episode on the AFC, be sure to go back and check that out. A couple days ago, we had a chance to break down all of the playoff or all of the teams in the playoff picture over in the AFC. And before we get into everything, want to very quickly throw a shout out to myself and Alex and also potentially Ethan, depending on how things shake out this week. The three of us could all possibly be walking away with fantasy football championships this year. So uh, good good job, guys. We, we did it. <laughs> I, I do not like that man, Jamar Chase. I do not like him. <laughs> I, I love him. He is the only reason that you know, I was able I love, to hang on. I love Rashad Penny. That's fair. Rashad that is fair. Um, there is one other brief order of business that needs to be taken care of before we get into things. Guys, um, I wanted to do it on the last episode, but we have to do it now. Uh, it, we need a brief moment of silence for the career of Nikhil Harry. Uh, may his forks be up in retirement. R.I.P. And with that, uh, we are going to have one minute each and one minute only to take a look at the six playoff teams that are locked in and the two that are on the outside looking in. Let's go ahead and get right into it. NFC playoff picture, and we start from the top, work our way to the bottom. We begin with the 13-3 and Green Bay Packers. They have clinched the a- NFC North. They've got wins in their uh, second half of the season over Seattle, LA, the Rams, Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Minnesota. Their only loss in the second half of the season came to Minnesota and you look at this team and you look at their losses they really don't have that big blemish on their resume like a lot of these other teams do they lost to the Saints in week one in bizarre fashion they lost to the Chiefs with Jordan Love and they lost to a divisional opponent in the Vikings in a game where Rodgers outplayed Kirk Cousins and they held Cook to under 100 yards Koki we'll start with you here on the Green Bay Packers they feel like a pretty safe bet amidst a, a chaotic NFC and really a chaotic NFL as a whole well, when you have the best quarterback in football, um, at least for this season, then it's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, right? Because, I mean, offensively, they're incredible. They have the best EPA per play in the league on an offense. And defensively, since week nine, they're 13th in EPA per play. Um, their DVOA is excellent as well after kind of got off to like a weirdly slow start on that side. Um, they're fourth right now in weighted DVOA. So all the advanced numbers point to them being Um, probably the best team and the safest bet. Um, And the fact that they have, quite frankly, the best quarterback. I I guess really the only real holes they've got is, is, um, I guess, maybe defensively. And it's not a top 10 unit, I'd say. And their special teams, they probably have the worst special teams unit in the league. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I got. I mean, there's not a lot else to add about this Packers team. They're probably the safest bet in the NFC. Yeah, Ethan, we've heard a lot of talk about that special teams unit, but I do think that when you get to a point where everyone's saying, oh, but their special teams is bad, I mean, that, that kind of indicates how good this team really is. Yeah, it's interesting. They're, they're the safest bet, but it's not like one of those years where it's, oh, the Chiefs are going to run away with it or the Patriots are running away with it this year. This year's not like that. Being the safest bet does not mean you're a dominant team. They've been the best, but it's so wide open this year. If I had to poke some holes, I'd say... The rush defense is a little bit of a concern, 28th in rush defense in terms of DBOA. That's a little spooky when you're a playoff team and you're in the bottom four in the category. That, that's a little nervous, but that's really the only thing you can point to with this football team to say, well, I don't know. But, yeah, they're the safest bet. Koki touched on Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams is the perfect target for him. They're a rock-solid duo, probably the best duo in the playoffs, and there you go. I, I mean, the one seed also always huge, especially when you get to skip that extra game. Yeah, no, it certainly is. And really quickly, just to kind of bring things full circle, Alex, I mean, talking about the Packers, I mentioned that their three losses were kind of flukes. Even that Vikings loss, they had a couple of COVID issues. They did not have Devontae Adams, or correction, they did have Devontae Adams available in that game. But I mean, from what you've seen this year, what is is there a formula to beating the Green Bay Packers? Or do you just have to kind of hang on for dear life and hope that you can give yourself a chance to win late? Um, I don't know. I, you, you can move the ball on them. Uh, I, I guess you would have to sort of keep up with them a little bit. Um, maybe stay in it and make a late run. 
Uh, I know Baltimore, when they played against them, that was uh, – they were outplayed for most of that game, but they were able to keep it close enough, um, and they were able to move the ball with Tyler Huntley down the field late. Um, Cardinals, same thing. They fell behind early, uh, and then just late in that game, they were able to sort of you know, take advantage of that. Eventually, they were able to figure out that Packers defense, but uh, getting out in front of them is, is, is so critical. But even so, when you have Aaron Rodgers and you have – the top weapon in the NFL in Devontae Adams, good running backs. They're really, really difficult to stop. Um, we mentioned the defense. I'm curious if Jair Alexander gets back at some point in the playoffs because they've been playing this whole year without their top cornerback. Um, Zadarius Smith has missed most of the season too. They've missed some really key you know, components of that defense, and Joe Barry has kept it mostly together. Um, not a perfect unit, but is good enough when you have one of the best offenses. So um, not not an easy formula at all, but it, you can kind of stick with them and move the ball a little bit. Uh, that's you know that's how you kind of set yourself up for maybe a late surge. Sure, fair enough. And, and again, I mean, not too much to nitpick, not too much to criticize with this Green Bay team. They've been rock solid. But the rest of the NFC, this is where things get a little bit more interesting. Currently sitting in the two seed at twelve and four, five and two since week ten, which is kind of the the portion of the season we're evaluating. It's the LA Rams. They have wins during that span over Jacksonville, Arizona, Seattle, Minnesota, and Baltimore. Two losses coming to San Francisco and Green Bay. And I I think a lot of the questions, I mean, there are a lot of things that go with this team, but it all comes down to Matt Stafford and his play. Yes, he is the third highest rated passer in the league this year, but on the other side of that, he is also, I believe, tied for second in the NFL this season in interceptions. And the big thing that's been criticized, which again, maybe it's his fault, maybe it's not, he leads the league in pick sixes given up this year. The defense still slaps, the front still slaps. I mean, they've gotten so many good pieces on this team. You look at the star power that they have, it's insane, the additions that they made, but Alex, I mean, this is a team that I think they've played down to their competition a couple of times, and even here recently, there are times when you go, what the hell are the Rams doing? <laughs> and, and I mean, that's basically what Matthew Stafford's season has been. It's like either like, whoa, uh, or it's like, what the heck is he doing? What the heck is this guy doing? Like uh, last week against the, the Ravens, that first interception, that pick six to Chuck Clark, what is he thinking with that throw? I mean, it, it, it just doesn't make any sense um, that a quarterback who's typically, you know, who makes a lot of really amazing decisions and, you know, ha- it has for stretches been smart with the football, make, you know, such a mistake. And he's done it a few times throughout the season. Um, when he's, when the pocket is kept clean, when he is, you know, given the time, uh, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this season, hands down. But when he's under pressure, I mean, he's one of the worst. And that's, that's really it. I mean, that's, that's, the key for the Rams is, you know, they're going to get Cam Akers back. If they can establish a little bit of a run game, that, that should be able to help him out a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, keeping the pocket clean for him and allowing him to make those throws down the field that he's so good at because he was tremendous against the Cardinals a few weeks back. But then you look at some of his other performances and when things don't go right, and that's kind of the knock on Jared Goff last couple of years when things don't go right, he throws the ball to the other team. Stafford's kind of the same way. He's just a more talented quarterback. Sure, he certainly is. Koki, on the other side of the ball, this is a defense that has added a couple of big pieces, the most notable being Von Miller. Uh, midway through the year, Gay got him from the Broncos. I mean, that front has been good, obviously. It's done some incredible things, but there have also been a couple of times where it just has not looked quite as dominant as what maybe I expected. And again, you look up and down this defense, there's star power to behold, but you know, kind of like the offense, kind of like Matt Stafford, there have been a couple of games where you just kind of scratch your head and, and you just feel like this unit is underperforming a little bit. I think you make a solid point, Tyler, but I, I did expect some sort of regression from this unit given how many pieces they lost, especially in the secondary. Um, but since week eight, they've been actually a really good defense. They're right now their fifth in EPA per play since week eight. And, you know, it's a pretty solid unit. I mean, when you have as good of a front seven as they do and you can get to the quarterback with, with just four, then that's going to give you a chance no matter what your secondary looks like. Um and, and on the flip side of the ball, if I may, I don't have a, a whole ton to add, add there, but I will say like Stafford was someone who did, who would occasionally make really head scratching plays with the Lions. And sort of the idea of him going to the Rams was that he would stop making those plays because the talent around him would get better. And that just hasn't been the case. And you have to wonder whether it's him or it's McVay or I think a deep analysis of what's going on with that team's offense um, between McVay and Stafford would be would be really helpful, especially a- after. Let's see. Let, let, let's just see what happens after this season. 
Yeah, I think that it's going to be interesting to see for sure. And kind of keeping it with the offense here, Ethan, I mean, again, Matthew Stafford comes on. You and I were very excited about that this year. Cooper Cup has looked like a god this season. Odell Beckham Jr. has looked good. I mean, there there is a lot of star power on this offense, but I think Koki brought up an interesting point, and I want to get your take on it here. It seems like there have been games where you just kind of wonder that connection between Stafford and, and McVay and kind of what McVay is doing overall. It just, I don't know, just, there is not as much solid ground to put under your feet with the Rams as what I would have hoped, and I, I don't know how you feel about that. But no, no, with, the, with the Rams, it's interesting. I think we need to remember that it's hard to learn an offensive system even when you're an elite quarterback like Matt Stafford. We even saw Tom Brady struggle with it last year in Tampa Bay. Obviously, they went on to win the Super Bowl. He was fine. He's Tom Brady. And he kind of handpicked the guys that were on his offense, got to choose where he wanted to go. Matt Stafford didn't get to do quite that much. And McVay's offensive system is complicated. So we need to remember that Stafford is still getting comfortable in that offense. Whether that's a good thing or not, you say, oh, he should be comfortable already. Come on, Matt. Whether it's his fault or not, He's still getting comfortable in that offense. I think next year, if I had to make a bold prediction, I think that offense fires on some more cylinders. Also, the run game was bad at the beginning of the year. It has gotten progressively better. So I think there's still some kinks to be figured out. For that reason, I don't know if the the Rams are are necessarily as much of a favorite for me to win the Super Bowl as they were earlier in the year. I think they're a wait-and-see type of team in that regard. And to Kogi's point, on the defensive end, that rush defense – once they added Von Miller, actually got a lot better. He's helped with that side of the defense as well. It's steadily gotten better, which has been nice to see for them. But I think this is a look to the future a little bit more, but still can make some noise with the elite talent that they have. Sure. Well, Ethan, let's keep it right here with another team that's very similar to the Rams in a lot of ways. We've had a lot of shows this year, and we have just been driven absolutely insane by these two, the Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think that just because Tom Brady exists and does what he does, he's obviously putting up these numbers in, what is this now, year 44 for him. Um, It it just feels like there's a little bit more comfort, if you want to call it that, with the Bucs. And I think that's what you talked about early in the season. This is a team that's number one in the league in offensive DVOA. They've slipped a little bit on the defensive side, but Ethan, I want to focus on the defense here because you have you have been a critic of that secondary and kind of just the age on it all year long. It's just, I don't know how big of a deal it is still, and I don't think we're going to know until the playoffs start. Yeah, remember, the secondary was a problem for Tampa Bay going into the playoffs last year. So this is not a new issue for the Bucks, and it was something I was concerned about, and then it didn't matter because they won the Super Bowl. I think it's even worse this year because not only is the secondary old and not totally terrific, it's been plagued by injuries, as has a lot of this team. But I I still don't entirely trust that secondary. I think that is the weak link in a terrific Tampa Bay team. I I I almost think more highly of the Bucs this year than I did last year, uh, just because I think the level of competition has come down a bit in terms of their ability to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're a better team than they were last year, but in terms of their ability to win – another Super Bowl. But again, I'm sure you're going to ask Koki or Alex about this. The injuries are really what's taking your team down. And kind of like we said, when you're criticizing special teams, you know your team's pretty good. When you're saying, well, the injuries are the biggest problem, you probably got a pretty good football team, but can they outlast those players. Well, and you led me right into it. And Koki, you're up next here. I mean, let's talk about some of these key injuries for this Tampa Bay team, because, you know, again, you can talk about the veteran leadership and experience all you want, and those are all good things, but you got to play with the guys that are available come playoff time. And, and again, that is kind of the one concern right now. We don't really know for sure who will or won't be available. Um, and obviously it doesn't matter at all, but feel free to throw in five seconds about Antonio Brown just for fun if you uh, if you really feel so inclined. I don't really feel inclined to use my minute on the Antonio Brown situation. (laughs) I feel like that's been overexplained itself. But anyway, he's not going to be with the team in the playoffs, nor is Chris Godwin because he tore his ACL. So without those two guys, I have a lot of trouble seeing how this team is going to be at the level that they need to be given the way their defense has taken a step back this season. It's hard to rely on a defense to be as dominant as it was in the playoffs last year just because it's really hard to – play defense that well back-to-back seasons and then you add the secondary injuries they have and i'm pretty skeptical about this team actually making the super bowl because if they were healthy in offense i think they would probably be my pick right now but they're not and they kind of need that elite production from from their offense in order to uh in order to be that super bowl that super bowl bound team alex 
six years ago, we did our first show, you, me, at Koki and Ethan. And, you know, again, we got to the postseason and we questioned, are you going to bet against Tom Brady? And then the next year we asked the same thing. And the next year we asked the same thing. This cycle has not been broken yet. Brady is going to get to 5,000 yards pretty easily this year. 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I guess my question is, I mean, with the injuries, with some of the other things around, is this the year to doubt Tom Brady? Because it still doesn't feel like it. <laughs> I don't even think it's doubting him. Um, it, it's just that I just like the Packers more. Um, they're, they're the only real team that I, I could say like I really, really like more um, than the Buccaneers. And Tom Brady is a big reason for that. I mean, he's still an MVP candidate. Um, and what they've asked him to do this year, I mean, he's he's had a lot on his shoulders um, and, and he's been able to bear it. So, But, but there's just too many concerns with the guys defensively, offensively, I mean, it's just their ability to run the ball. Um, we'll, we'll see exactly what that looks like. But that was such an unbelievable boost for them last year. And, and Leonard Fournette had a terrific postseason run. Um, they've been able to run the ball pretty well for the most part this season. Um, last week, that was not the case. Um, so we'll see exactly how that turns out. But, I mean, it, it, I don't want to say I'm doubting Brady necessarily because I think he'll be great. Um, regardless, the offensive line is still held up. And it, it's really just do I think that this team can, you know, beat the Packers? Because that's the team to beat, obviously. And at the moment, I, they, they, I think they can, but I wouldn't pick them as my favorite there. I think it's it's too tall of a, of a hurdle. Sure, fair enough. And just to, just to be clear, I wasn't saying doubting Tom Brady's abilities as a quarterback, just doubting his ability to overcome everything. Because you know he's gonna, you know there's going to be a speech in that locker room of, you know, count us, count us out like they do every single year. Um, I'd be interested to see how it plays out. This next team is going to cause some controversy, and we haven't had a lot of that for the most part. I think all of us pretty much agree on where these teams are at, but it's time to talk about the 11-5 and Dallas Cowboys. They've clinched the NFC East. They're 5-3 and in their last eight games. They've got wins over Atlanta, New Orleans, Washington, the Giants, Washington again, losses to the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Arizona Cardinals. And look, here's the thing. I am not sold on this team. I've been shaky on them all year, and if anything, these last couple of weeks have made me even more hesitant, not just because of the losses, but you look at their body of work this year, they have one win over a playoff team. It was an overtime win against New England when they were still trying to figure things out. Their other four games against potential playoff teams have been losses, and with an offense that's got Dak, Zeke, Pollard, CD, Cooper, a ton of other talent on it as well, they've scored more than 30 points one single time. I understand their second and weighted DVO, A, but... DVOA, but I mean, analytics be damned at this point. Like, I'm just not buying it, Alex. I just, I don't, there's something about Dallas. I just feel like they're going to go one and done again. I just don't trust it. You you didn't trust the gauntlet of teams you just mentioned that they beat, like the Washington (laughs) football team twice? Oh, Um, man. Yeah, they beat the football team, man. Good good job, guys. There's something a little off with the offense. Um, And, like, because defensively, this team has been, really really good um and a lot of their great performances granted have been against not so great teams but they're still a really fast defense that cause a lot of commotion they you know get take the ball away a ton um say what you will about Trayvon Diggs getting burnt which he does but he's kind of a you know all or nothing kind of cornerback who's really really aggressive to going to the ball and that's what they kind of like to have him do and that's what they you know that's what they're predicated on is is those big plays defensively to take the ball away um and they're doing a really good job of that the offense, I feel like whenever I watch them go up-tempo and they're really aggressive, like they have the playmakers to really sort of suffocate other teams. But when they're not doing that, it, their, their normal offense, just it, it, it feels a little lackluster for a team with so many weapons. And, and Dak hasn't been the sharpest. Um, obviously, he came back from such a gruesome injury, but I felt like he looked a bit sharper earlier in the season than he has at least the last few weeks. So they still have those drives where you look at them and they're like, wow. Um, they had a couple against the Cardinals last week, obviously the week before um, against Washington. But there are too many lulls offensively where I feel like, man, if they can't get this consistency up or they can't really figure out what makes them tick every, on, a, on a drive-by-drive basis, then then you're right. They, they, they may just simply not be uh, in that tier that they need to be in order to get past the team like Green Bay, like the Cardinals again, like the Rams or whoever they play. Yeah, Ethan, it seems like there is one place that you can sometimes look when you have an offense with a lot of weapons that's underperforming. I'm just going to ask you straight up, is this a Mike McCarthy problem for your money? 
Um, I don't want to say that it's entirely Mike McCarthy's fault. I, it rarely is with the head coach. I, I, I don't. I also would not say that Mike McCarthy isn't a problem. Uh, Mike McCarthy is clearly a problem. They can definitely do better at head coach. I mean, it's like it's like the girl you know who's dating the the, the guy that she's she's w- way too good for Dallas. You're way too good for Mike McCarthy. You need to break that off. You need to go elsewhere. I, maybe maybe Jerry Jones is just really bad at hiring coaches because they went from the Clapper to Mike McCarthy. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think McCarthy is a problem, but I don't think the offensive woes can be entirely put on his shoulders. Sure. Koki, feel free to say anything else you want about the Cowboys here, but I do want to ask you specifically. I mean, I know that Alex kind of discovered the whole DVOA thing first here in this group, but I know you're, you get into the analytics. Can you explain this to me? I mean, how the hell are the Cowboys second in weighted DVOA right now? Like, that just doesn't track. Well, the offense, the, the numbers don't love this Cowboys offense. Right now they're 12th in EPA per play. Dak Prescott is 15th in EPA per play and uh, completion per Completion percentage over expectation. Um, the combination of those two stats, he's just 50, again, he's just 15th and only 15th in the league. And he's only averaging 7.7 air yards per attempt, which isn't a ton considering his weapons, right? Like compare that to someone like Mac Jones who's averaging eight yards per air attempt, which is incredible. Like look at Mac Jones's weapons and look at Dak Prescott's weapons. Look at Dak Prescott's arm and look at Mac Jones's arm. It doesn't make any sense. And, I think a lot of this has to do with coaching. A lot of this has to do with design. And, I mean, I, I agree with Alex. They need to go more up-tempo. I, I think they need to push the ball more down the field and find more solutions to doing that. Um, when you watch them play, they kind of have this vanilla offense, and it's just not really working right now. And they make a lot of, like, bad, like, ugly mistakes, and they're just not a very disciplined unit unit in that sense either. So, I don't, I don't know. There's no really obvious answer as to how to fix this offense, especially given how healthy they are. Um, but I, I think a lot of that's going to have to start with just being more creative um, from a schematic standpoint and, and trying to drive the ball more down the field because it just doesn't make any sense. Like Dak Prescott, there's no reason why he should be averaging less yards per air attempt than Mac Jones, Derek Carr, and Josh Allen, some of the, or, or, and especially someone like Teddy Bridgewater. So... It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And, and we're going to go from one team that has, to a degree, underperformed a little bit offensively to another. At least there are a few more injuries that I think have certainly played into the Arizona Cardinals situation. But this is where we do have an expert source. Alex Weiner is our uh, our resident Sports Illustrated writer for the Arizona Cardinals. Alex, this team is 11-5 and this year. They're 3-4 and in their last seven games with wins over Seattle, Chicago, and Dallas. Losses to Carolina, the Rams, Detroit, and Indy. But, again, injuries. I mean, this team's been injured to hell and back the Lions game is really the only one that is kind of a concerning loss to me and all of that um but again still I just I can't quite pin down this Cardinals team I feel like they get bailed out by talent sometimes but even then it just isn't always enough I, I don't think anyone's totally pinned down this Cardinals team um <laughs> at this point obviously they're, they're not as good as they were early in the season um just personnel wise I mean when you lose DeAndre Hopkins on one side of the field, then you lose J.J. Watt on the other side of the field, you're just not as good of a football team. But um, a lot of it is, is self-inflicted, and that's that was a problem last year, and it continues to be a problem this year. Um, they helped themselves out a bit against Dallas, but like the week before that against Indianapolis, I mean, they can just continuously have penalty problems and, and really poorly timed penalty problems too. Like a false start on third and one, uh, you know, as they're trying to cross midfield or fourth and two, they're going for it and they get called for holding and that's 10 more yards and now you can't go for it anymore. So it's a lot of those kind of plays that feel they feel like is holding them back. Um, I, I think defensively they're, they're ready to compete. It's not a perfect defense, but um, Vance, I mean, his, his Vance Joseph's plan against the Cowboys was terrific last week. Um, they have a bit of a cornerback problem from a health standpoint, but uh, you know, getting some of their guys back who were on the COVID list was is, is going to help up front. It, it really just it, the offense. It just it, there's a lack of consistency there, um, and part of that is the penalties. Part of that is the turnovers, um, because when they don't do those things, they can really have like suffocating drives. And they, they, even without DeAndre Hopkins, they could still do that. So. Um, if, if they don't hurt themselves, which is a problem, um, they could be dangerous. But that's the key, isn't it? 
Yeah, it really is. Koki, we had a chance to hear from Ethan about Mike McCarthy a second ago. I want to ask you about Cliff Kingsbury here. It's not near, don't get me wrong, this is not 2020 Cliff Kingsbury. I think we all looked at that situation and it was just rough. He seems a little bit more comfortable coaching with this offense. And again, I know that the injuries have been there, but I mean, from what you've seen from Cliff, is that a concern for you going into the postseason? Or do you think it's just a matter of going out there and, and getting the job done? Cliff Kingsbury is a big reason as to why I'm still down on this team. I was down on them at the very beginning of the year. Uh, I I thought this hot streak wasn't going to last. I never, I, I to be just to be fair, I I just never really liked this team as much. And in recent weeks, that's kind of bared fruit. Uh, I mean, since week eight, they're twelfth in EPA per play on offense, and they are twenty first in EPA per play on defense. Uh, their weighted DVOA, it's, it's not great either. It's 13th right now in the league in weighted DVOA. This team is struggling um, from an advanced analytics perspective, from a coaching perspective. Their offense is still literally just, Kyler, do something for us. And, not, and they don't really have any other options outside of that. And defensively, they're losing guys right, left, and center, especially in the secondary. I'm, I'm, I'd be quite worried about this team if I were a Cardinals fan. Ethan, you and I had a conversation about the Arizona Cardinals on the show earlier this season. I said one of the things that I loved about this team, I thought they had one of the most explosive offenses in the league, and I thought that at any given point when you have Kyler Murray, you're never out of a game. I don't even necessarily know if I fully believe that anymore. I, I still think that I, I still think Kyler is an exceptional talent. I think that this offense still has a lot of great pieces on it, but they have looked awfully lackluster compared to, I think, what we were expecting. And again, I know part of that has to do with injuries. I know this team hasn't been at 100% in a while, but again, it just it's just something you shake your head at, and it really is concerning. 13th in offensive DVOA going into the postseason. Yeah, I, I think... There's been a lack of consistency offensively and not in terms of, well, yes, in terms of penalties and being consistent with play calling and that stuff, yes. But what I mean by that is there's been guys in and out the door. You have Hopkins go out, Murray's missed time. The running back situation has been in flux with Connor missing time. So there's an Edmonds. There's just pieces moving all over the place, and I think that's kind of hurt them. I I also don't think their offensive line is stellar. It seems like that was the main talking point with the Cardinals was, oh, the offensive line just, it's not up to snuff. It's not up to snuff the last few years. And then all of a sudden this year, it's like, okay, it's fine. They went through seven. No, it's fine. The offensive line, every time I watch them, the eye test is not super great. Like a lot of it is Kyler Murray failing them out sometimes. And I mean, the advanced metrics for what they're worth with the offensive line bears this out as well. And they're, they're, in the lower 20s in terms of adjusted yard line yards. And I, I don't claim to be an expert in that, but when you're a potential playoff team, you're seeing at 27th, that's usually not very good. So I think that's a problem. The one thing I will say, and I, and I know I'm taking more than a minute here, is I, I, there's this narrative with Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, you just can't play in the second half. I think that's a little bit lazy to just say, well, it's Cliff. He, he doesn't, he's not a second half guy. It, correlation does not equal causation. That's not saying Cliff Kingsbury is not at fault, but let's let's have a, a little bit more of a conversation and just, well, he's just not good in the second half. He's not a closer. That's stupid. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's a that's a very fair I, that's a very fair comment. Alex, go ahead. I have one more point. No, um, you're good. About the offensive line. Um, this team is nine and two, I believe, when Rodney Hudson is starting and uh well below five hundred when he's not. Damn. Bingo. Um, he is unbelievably important to them offensively, just helping Kyler point out coverages, his own blocking ability. Um, I mean, he is is sort of the brain uh, up front offensively. And so when he's in there, it, it, it makes a big difference. And even penalties decrease. So um, I would say that now that he's back, see how it looks these next couple of, or I guess this week. Um, to see maybe if it, they find a little bit more cohesion too, because I think that's a big deal. Alex, really quickly, just because it is very important. I mean, what was what was the injury to Hudson? I I didn't see specifics on that. So he missed. He went on IR and missed uh, a few games with a ribs injury earlier this year, this season, and then he was on the COVID list and missed two more games. Um, and that was the uh, the Lions' loss and the Colts' loss. Okay. Um, okay. The Cardinals have had nine different starting offensive lines this season. And finally, this week is when they're going to have their starters in full back. 
So that's right. another thing to keep a, keep an eye on. Well, that certainly does bode, uh, bode better for them. And again, with the right scenarios playing out in Week 18, they could possibly still lock up the West, but that still remains to be seen. So we head now to what should be another, I, I don't even really, I, I wouldn't say it's secure. The the San Francisco 49ers right now sit in the sixth seed. They're 9-7, and 6-2 and two since Week 10. Wins over the Rams, the Jags, the Vikings, the Bengals, and Atlanta and Houston. Losses to Seattle and Tennessee. And you get to the end of the year, and I don't know if you guys have this problem, but it seems like I always do. At the end of every year, there's one team that makes it into the playoffs that I realize I just haven't seen a lot of. And for me, that this year, that's San Francisco. I'll be straight up about it. This team, I, I just, I, I don't know as much about them as I feel like I would like to. But the one thing that I do know is that every week I see that stat pop up of, well, the record is really good when Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception. He might not be the answer to this team's problems, but as long as he's not the problem, this team can still be damn scary on the right day, Alex. They can. I mean, it'd be kind of a shame if they missed the playoffs because they're definitely one of the six best teams, I would say, or at least at least seven best teams in the NFC. Uh, no offense to the Saints, but I think the playoffs are more exciting with the 49ers <laughs> in them. Um Jimmy G, well, we'll see if he plays this week. I know he was throwing at practice uh, today, so I guess that's a good sign that, you know, you're not going to throw Trey Lance in there for his third career start in a win-or-go-home game against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, that sounds horrifying for, <laughs> for any young player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a team that, you know, you look at most of the stats, and this should be a playoff team. I mean, uh, you know, getting, we mentioned DVOA a lot, but they're sixth offensively in weighted DVOA, and then when you look at defensively, uh, or eighth, and it just it feels like that when you watch them that they can move the ball pretty well. Debo Samuel is a superstar. They have other weapons. George Kittle, when when he was out, their offense was not the same. When he's back in there, he makes an unbelievable difference, and they've been a much better team with him back. Uh, and then defensively, there's some issues, um, especially I would say the secondary, um, especially more specifically the cornerbacks. Um, but they can defend the hell out of the run, uh, and so that could be a way that they can sort of you know establish, uh, you know establish themselves early, get out in front, and they're hard to catch up to. So I think the playoffs are better with them, but, you know, they haven't punched their ticket right now. They're not favored to make it because they got a tough matchup in Week 18. And they certainly do. And, Ethan, let's talk about the scenario if they are able to get in. I think they almost have an edge here. If, and it goes both ways, but you look at the teams that they might play in the opening round, they could possibly play against the Rams. They could possibly play against the Cardinals. Those are two teams that are in their division. Let me just pose this to you. When you look at that group of teams, the Rams, the Bucks, the Cowboys, and the Cardinals, do you think this 49ers team, like we talked about on the right day, can win a or possibly even multiple playoff games? You know, the lack of consistency in quarterback worries me in terms of them winning multiple playoff games, but they are not a team I want to face in the first round. I, I'm If I'm any of these NFC teams, I'm cheering for the Saints big time. I want <laughs> to play them. I don't want to play the 49ers because they have been so rock solid defensively this year. We talk about cohesion and we talk about some of the consistency from the Packers. The 49ers, for the most part, they've had a couple injuries, but for the most part have been able to be consistent defensively this year. Unfortunately, that's not the case of the quarterback position. Garoppolo's up and down, but they are way better with him than with Trey Lance. You see some flashes from Lance, but their, their EPA per play goes way down when Lance is in. He had that miserable game earlier, was eh, last week. So it's all going to depend on if Jimmy G plays, if he's actually healthy, and which Jimmy Garoppolo we get, because I trust this defense. It's just a matter of if the offense can rise to the occasion as well. They're a terrifying team to play coming out of those lower seats. I don't want any piece of them if I'm one of the big boys. Koki, we've talked about the 49ers on the right day, but let's also not mince words here. They've had the wrong days a couple of times this year, too. I mean, what are what are the biggest concerns outside of Jimmy Garoppolo? Because I feel like that at this point, that's a known quantity, but I mean, he got to a Super Bowl, so let's not, let's not pretend he's not capable of doing what he needs to do. But outside of Jimmy Garoppolo, what are some of the big question marks that you have about the Niners if they make it into the postseason here? There's not a ton of question marks with this team outside of Garoppolo, to be totally honest with you. Um, I guess defensively with the corners, their cornerback situation has been really, really questionable the whole year. I mean, they, they were kind of uh, relying on pins and needles to head into the season with Jason Verrett, and then Verrett got hurt, uh, predictably got hurt, I should say. But, I mean, defensively, they're a solid unit, more toward the middle of the pack, but it's really the offense that's what's been driving this team. As long as Garoppolo doesn't screw, screw it up, 
Kyle Shanahan has built kind of a almost a player proof scheme. It doesn't matter who's <laughs> who the heck is running the ball. It could be Elijah Mitchell. It could be could be anybody, and and they churn out yards on the ground. And their offense, their passing game's been one of the most efficient passing games in the league. They're third in EPA per play offensively in general, and then drop back EPA per play. They are second in the league, and that, and those numbers are after week have been since week eight. So. This team is an offensive juggernaut as long as they're not turning over the ball, as long as Jeremy Garoppolo isn't screwing it up for them because they have the weapons, they have the scheme, and they have arguably the best off- one of the better offensive lines in the league as well. I like this Niners team a lot, and I totally agree with you that if you're one of the big people, you want to play the Saints. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go from a team that can be very scary on the right day to a team that I think probably isn't phasing anybody. They did lock in a playoff spot, crazy enough, and honestly, they've had kind of a surprising season. The Philadelphia Eagles have slipped into the postseason. They currently sit in the seventh seed. You look at what Philly's done this year. They're 9-7 and seven overall, 6-1 and one since Week 10, wins over Denver, New Orleans, the Jets, the Washington football team, the Giants, and Washington again. The only loss that they had came in the hands of the New York Giants. Alex, I'm going to throw this out to you here, and I don't mean to make more of this than what it actually is, so don't don't panic, don't freak out. But here's an interesting <laughs> stat for you. Jalen Hurts, through his first 15 starts of his career, has five fewer total yards of offense, has four more touchdowns, has one fewer turnover, oh and has about the same number of first downs. Through the first 15 starts is what Lamar Jackson does. Now, I'm not saying that Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson, obviously, but... It is interesting. I think that Jalen kind of got jobbed a little bit in the media. I think there are some people that think he is a bad quarterback, which is absurd. He still makes some decisions. He's still a little bit raw where you kind of question it. But overall, I think he deserves his due. He has been doing what he needs to do, and he got this Eagles team, who a lot of us didn't think would be here, into the playoffs. <laughs> I knew this was coming as soon as you made that first. Like, oh, did he had this many, this fewer yards and this? And I was like, oh boy, here. What's what's another rushing quarterback who, who you're going to mention here? Um, <laughs> look, Jalen Hurts, I think, has exceeded expectations. Um, I don't think he's been a great quarterback for them, but I think he is good at what they need him to be good at. Um, and overall, this Eagles team, what makes them so impressive is how they found their identity. This team knows exactly what it is, and that is a team that can run the hell out of the ball with a quarterback who can get in motion, who can take off himself. And, and the more that you know, he can get out and make plays from outside the pocket, that's what they need him to do. Um, they run the ball a ton, uh, which is not something they did early in the season. Um, and their offense just looked like, oh boy, we're going downhill here. But once they kind of figured that out, I mean, they've been great, uh, or not great, but they've been a great rushing team, and that's what you know. That's what made makes them a playoff team. They're really good at something, and they're third, I think, in rush DVOA this season, if I remember correctly. So, you know, this is a team that I think a lot of people had poor expect, uh, very low expectations for. They still had enough veterans and enough remnants of that Super Bowl team where they, I felt like their their floor was higher than most people thought. I know Koki was a big advocate of that. Um, and they figure out what they do really well, and they've really honed in on it. And, you know, it's impressive. It's impressive that they got to this point. And I think that if they can jump out in front of a team, they could be a little bit of a thorn to get by. But they definitely had some shaky performances, too. They're definitely the seventh team, in my opinion. Um, but kudos to them for getting to this point. It's been an impressive second half of the season, for sure. Yeah, it certainly is. This team started the year 3-6. and six. They're going to end the season 6-2. and two. And then, regard. I mean, depending on what happens next week at Dallas. I mean, Koki, this is a team that, and you know, I, I don't think a lot of people, certainly I'm not giving them any credit for winning a playoff game here. But, I mean, you know, we talked about it. Alex kind of almost alluded to it. Do you feel like on the perfect day, if everything goes right, maybe if they play Dallas, who's a divisional opponent, that can get crazy. I mean, is there a path for this team to win a playoff game? or is it almost a guaranteed one-and-done here for the Eagles in the postseason this year? Yeah, I don't think this team has the talent to win a playoff game. They just don't, especially on defense in the back end. They just don't really have – they simply don't have the bodies, despite how well they've coached in the second half of the season. They found their identity, and that's not by accident. I mean, remember at the very beginning of the year, this team almost refused to run the football, and they kept on trying to be the spread-out – gunslaying offense and Jalen Hurts simply wasn't good enough to do that so they reverted to this running style system where they would either run the ball or they would chuck the ball deep downfield and they've stuck to to those principles and it's resulted in one of the better offenses in football in the second half of the year right there they've had 
the, they have the fifth most efficient offense in the league since week eight. They're fifth in EPA per play. It's incredible. They've had one of the better running attacks in terms of EPA per play since week eight as well. They're fourth in that category. This team's offense has just been really impressive to watch, and they and they certainly can do well enough on defense as well. They have one of the most efficient defenses in the league as well. Overall, they're 11th in DVOA, I believe, as, as well. So this is a team that, I mean, they should get a lot of kudos despite the fact that they're not the most talented unit they've been able to figure it out and they've created an identity for for themselves, especially on offense. Yep. No, absolutely. Ethan, I don't have anything specific to ask here. Just anything you want to add on the Eagles. If you have anything to add on the Eagles. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to give the, there is some controversy again with Howie Roseman and the Eagles early in the season. They weathered that. That was admirable from the team, I suppose. Um, Again, we're talking about Philadelphia and having problems in their secondary. Surprise, surprise. I, I can't believe it. Wow. Um, I will say this about Jalen Hurts. It's really interesting. His EPA, when he runs the football, ranks number one among all quarterbacks in the league. When he throws the football, he's 22nd, which is behind Tua. He averages those out. He's at 14th in terms of EPA per play amongst quarterbacks, which for a guy who a lot of people wrote up as not even being an NFL quarterback, being 14th amongst his peers is just fine. It's just interesting. Number one with the run, number 22 with the pass. But again, like these two said, they found their identity. It's running the football. They are the quintessential, we won the playoffs by getting to the playoffs type of team. They are the <laughs> mid-major that sneaks into the tournament. That's our win. We're not going anywhere, but we made it, guys. Good for the Eagles. Yep, and I completely agree. Good for the Eagles. So for that final playoff spot, we mentioned it already. The Niners are in the sixth spot. They have the Rams this week, which is tough. If they lose and the Saints win, and by the way, the Saints are playing the Falcons this week, uh, the Saints will make the playoffs. I'm just going to really quickly, I don't, I'm a Saints fan. I don't want the Saints to make the playoffs. This is the saddest team that could possibly make it in either conference it's just been a depressing year. I'm just going to take like 60 seconds here and just stress vent about this because I haven't had a chance to because this my team is irrelevant this year. Jameis Winston on IR. Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill have had issues. Mark Ingram has had issues. Kamara has had issues. Tony Jones has had issues. Obviously, Michael Thomas didn't play this year. Traquan has missed time. On the offensive line, Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek have missed time. Andres Pete's been on IR all year. Most of the defense got COVID. Like, look, I don't think anybody, including the NFL executives, want Taysom Hill playing quarterback in a playoff game. That's not good for ratings. The only thing I could think of is if they put it on the Nickelodeon game and just just do that. I mean, why not? Uh, that's really all I have to say. If this team makes the playoffs, they ain't winning a playoff game. They're very depressing to me. And for the sake of just putting this team out of its misery, like I'm very proud of them for fighting this year. I'm very proud of them for finding a way to go 8-8 eight and eight amidst this season. But overall... Just just let this die. Uh, if anyone else has anything to say about the Saints, feel feel free to jump in. If not, I know Alex is running short on time. We'll get some picks for Week 18, and we'll uh, we'll wrap it up for the day. Uh, I want to say one thing about the Saints. Go I for think it. Why not, my please? Dark horse team to be really good in the NFC this year. I thought after how miserable Drew Brees was last year that they were a confident quarterback away from being a legitimate playoff threat, not to win the Super Bowl, but to be a playoff threat. I thought Jameis could be that quarterback, and then everyone got hurt. I still believe in the Saints. If they can come back healthy next year, I think they make the playoffs. I like what they're doing, the way they're building right now. My question for you, Tyler, is next year, obviously maybe they'll try and get Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, everybody's going to be trying to get them. Is Jameis the answer moving forward for the Saints? You know, I think Jameis exceeded my expectations this year, but I don't think he's the answer if you want to keep the pieces that they've hung on to post-Breeze and actually make a run. I don't see them getting Aaron Rodgers. I do think, though, there is a path for them to maybe shed a little bit of cap and get Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm not going to delve into the conspiracy theories on that, but... You know, maybe it's wishful thinking as a fan, but obviously if you go from Drew Brees to Jameis for one year to, to Russell freaking Wilson, I think that puts the Saints right back in a position um, where they could legitimately compete. But no, I, I do not think that uh, I do not think that Jameis is the, the answer going forward. Um, Alex, I know you got to get out of here, bud, really quickly. Uh, the last thing here on the show for this week, there are two games that mean an awful lot this week that we're going to have an eye on. Chargers and Raiders play for a playoff spot, winning your in there. And then, of course, the other game, the Niners, if they win, they still secure a spot against the Rams. Uh, Alex, really quickly, your picks for those two games, Chargers-Raiders and Niners-Rams. One, one very, very quick note about the Saints. Go for they it. do have a legit defense, and yes. the team can beat themselves against them. I yes. will say that. Um, 
Uh, Chargers Raiders, we've seen it before. Um, the Chargers won convincingly. I, I anticipate they'll do that again. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, we talked about that in the last episode. I'm, I'm just going to give the pick there. That The Chargers have beaten them before, and I think that Herbert can have an outstanding game in this one too. Um, and then secondly, the, the Niners and Rams – uh, with the Rams trying, um, it, I mean, it kind of depends who plays quarterback for the Niners a little bit, but it, it, it seems like an awfully uphill battle. But the 49ers have matched up against the Rams well, you know, in the past. They beat them this season already. And I think maybe a desperate 49ers team can throw the kitchen sink at the Rams to get the win. So I'm going to tentatively say the Niners, but I don't <laughs> feel great about that. I do feel better about the Saints beating the Falcons than I do about the, uh, the Niners beating the Rams, though. All right, fair enough. Well, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show today, my guy. And uh, any any closing thoughts here before we kick it around the horn for picks? Closing thoughts? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to be. I'm, I'm just. I'm just happy that you know the last week of the season has real stakes to it. Yes, and we're going to have a few multiple games that are going to have some real big stakes to it, and so that'll be fun to watch. But uh, I think it's a. I think it's a fun field of playoff teams that we don't really know who the best one is. Uh, outside of a couple, but even they have their faults, so I think it'll be a fun playoffs. All right, I completely agree. Koki, we'll go ahead and kick it over to you next, sir. Uh, Your picks here for Chargers, Raiders, and Niners, Rams, and also any closing thoughts you have on any of this chaos before we get into the postseason shows next week. So, I have a a fun little stat for you, Tyler. Okay. Um, I love fun little stats. Who has the higher dropback EPA? Uh, the the Saints or the Jaguars? Oh This isn't fun, Koki. This isn't fun for me at all. It's um, the Jaguars by a schmidgem. God the Jaguars damn it, of have a better dropback EPA by a schmidgem. But there are three teams that have a worse dropback EPA than the Saints since week eight. And oh, again, this is, Wait, actually, this is since week seven. The Giants? So there are three teams that are worse. Okay. The guess Giants the, are one? The teams. Are the Giants one? What? Are the Giants one? Yes, the Giants have the worst one. Okay, so that, they, that does they, not they surprise me. Um, the the Bears? No. Okay. Bears are 25th. Uh, I want to say Houston, but I know that's not right. No, it is right. Houston's in there. Houston? Okay. And then uh, D- Detroit? No. Cincinnati? Cle- Cleveland? Cleveland? No. Cleveland isn't close. All right. My final guess is going to be Carolina. Yeah. Bingo. Carolina's 31st. All right. You oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, so for the Chargers Raiders game, give me the Chargers all day. I think Justin Herbert's going to pick apart that cover three defense. Um, you know, when you drive the ball in the Raiders, good things usually happen. Try to throw the ball downfield against the Raiders, good you, good things usually happen. Just ask the Chiefs. Um, then for the other game, Niners Rams. I mean, as long if Jimmy plays, I don't see how the Ram why the Rams are going to try it too much in this game. Um, but if Jimmy plays, they should win. I think um, because I just don't think the Rams have as much of an incentive to win the game. Plus, I've already talked about how efficient the Niners' offense has been the second half of the year, as long as Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't turn over the football. So I'm going to go uh, with the Niners and the Chargers. All right, sounds good. And then, Koki, really quickly, any uh, any closing comments before we wrap it up? Um, My only closing, I guess, just that the I really hope the Steelers don't make the playoffs. That is, that is my one hope out of all of this. I mean... The Saints could make the playoffs, sure, fine. I, I, I'll just not watch the game. If the Steelers make the playoffs, I'll just be depressed. Like I, I just hate watching that team more than, more than anything. So fair enough. Uh, just, please, just don't sneak in the playoffs, Steelers. Just don't do it. I think, I think on that we can all agree. Uh, Koki, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always appreciate your time, my guy. Thanks, man. All right, Ethan, you are the uh, second to last here on picks: Chargers, Raiders, Niners, Rams. And any closing comments you want to add here before we wrap it up? I hope Koki is still there so he can hear me pick this because it's going to drive him nuts. He he is. He is. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, I'm taking the Raiders. uh, Raiders Chargers. And both of my picks have nothing to do with actual football, with statistics, with any of that nonsense. I'm going all feel here. Uh, Usually I like to mix the two, but uh, it's all feel. We've watched the Raiders this. We've said the Raiders are down and out a million times this year. Every time Derek Carr does some magic trick in the locker room, Gets everybody fired up and they go win an important game. 
I think they're going to do the same thing here. I think the way that Raiders story, I know, and, and this is just, there's no science to this. The way their story has played out this year, I feel like they're going to make the playoffs and then go get smoked by somebody in the first round. So I'm taking the Raiders. I, and I hope the Raiders make the playoffs because, man, they've been through it this year. They deserve it. I want to see Derek Carr in the playoffs, even though I don't want to see the rest of the Raiders in the playoffs. They're, they're not fun to watch play football, but they've had an interesting arc so far this year. So give me the Raiders. I also, and I, on the other side, the Rams have been doing weird Rams things where they're just like piddle the way games and that they shouldn't, which is what they're going to do to the 49ers. Again, I'm with Cody. I don't think they have a whole lot of incentive to try. The 49ers, this is everything. If Jimmy Garoppolo plays, the Niners are winning this. If he doesn't, I'm not going to trust Trey Lance to send a team to the playoffs. <laughs> so if Jimmy G plays, I got the 49ers. Uh, as for my closing thoughts, I'm amazed that the husk of Baker Mayfield is high enough in EPA per pass that Koki didn't even – he kind of stopped him off. That's kind of impressive in some way. Um, <laughs> I'm glad the Jets aren't down that low. Uh, the, Pan- the, the Panthers were my first guess, by the way. They, I, I would have picked them as number 32, actually, so good for them for not being uh, the worst team at passing the football this year. Uh, Adam Gates ruined Sam Darnold. Sorry, Sam. That, that's just sad. Uh, that, 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 if I may, that quarterback draft class is so weird. We were texting about it the other day. You've got like Josh Allen, but then you've also got, you know, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and Mason Rudolph running around. And it's like, oh boy, okay. And so, yeah, what a weird draft class. It's going to be interesting to look back on in 10 years. Uh, I don't know why I'm talking about the 2018 draft, but <laughs> there you go. All right, these things happen. Um, so for the two games to pick, I am going to go ahead and basically for the same reasons, I'm going to take the 49ers over the Rams. I think they've just got more to play for. Look, I really want to take the Raiders in this Raiders-Chargers game, but really quickly, I mean, you two are still on the line here. Since there's an extra game this year, will you give me one game that I can just throw out and just pretend didn't happen? What do you mean? Just for the sake of argument, can I throw one game out from this season? Packers Saints. Well, no, not <laughs> yeah. So, So basically what I'm getting at is that I don't know if you guys are aware of the coin. Um, But there was a fan, a Raiders fan, that flipped the coin heads or tails to determine every single result this year. And with one exception, that coin has been right 100% of the time. Because of that, they're going to lose to the Chargers. And uh, again, no science, no math, no stats to back it up. Uh, But the coin has spoken, and the coin has determined that the Chargers will go on to the playoffs. Also, I think it was said on the last show, but... I realize Derek Carr could be fun in the playoffs, but I think Justin Herbert will be fun in the playoffs if he gets in, and that is my closing comment. So that'll about wrap it up for us. Again, if you want to check out our thoughts on the AFC, we broke all that down earlier this week. You can go check the full episode out there. And next week, you know what time it is. It'll be the Wild Card Show. Pickums are back. We'll have the Road to Glory crew back online for that one. But one last time for Alex Weiner, for Tyler Henry, for Ethan Jordan, and for Koki Riley. want to say thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the TBH Sports Podcast, and we'll be back next week. It's Wild Card Weekend, baby. It's coming up after an exciting Week 17. 